Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. Feel free to join us live on Facebook every Sunday at 10 a.m. at facebook.com slash exchangechurch. The following message is brought to you by Pastor Kevin Kelts. Wow, I love, I love, love that song. Can we give the worship team a a hand clap this morning just to tell them that we appreciate them. You guys are amazing. Wow. It's kind of what we're going to talk about today a little bit. Um, you know, the whole song is just talking about God's greatness, how awesome he is, and and what an example, you know, for him to to do all of these things and not just tell us to do things. I remember years ago as a kid growing up, uh, I would hear some parents say, I'm not going to throw my parents underneath the bus this morning, but I'd hear some parents say, you know, don't do what I do, do what I say, right? And that just doesn't make any sense. Right? We're, we're to be an example. We are to not just tell somebody to do something, but show them. Right? That's, that's what that song is all about. <laughs> like we are just in awe of everything that God is, what he has done. And then in a response to that, it's so will I. So will I. So will I, God. And, and so uh, it's good to have everybody here today and uh, everybody watching online. Um, it's pretty, pretty neat to see some more faces here this morning. I know throughout this whole pandemic that we have been practicing social distancing and uh, lots of people have just been staying home for protection and, and we totally get that. Um, and but we know as, as um, things are moving forward that um, we're able to gather together, and so it's good to see your faces here this morning, and I, once again, we always love to have everybody online. Um, if you could, share, the, share the, the feed this morning on your Facebook page, and if you could, just get in and uh, check in this morning at Exchange Church on Facebook, and while you do that, you can see that um, you're going to be helping provide days of care for kids. I think it says every six check-ins is going to provide a day of care to a child in need. So you can use the hashtag this morning, hashtag compassion for kids. And so that'll be awesome, awesome thing to do. Um, I want to I want to talk about something this morning with you guys because, you know, we, we went through a series for weeks and weeks, um, a, a couple of series back, just talking about this, this great command that Jesus has given us. And, and he gives us a command, and it's one command in this new covenant, and it's to love one another as I have loved you. Just like the song we're talking about. Jesus, in a response to your love, in a response to what you did, he didn't say, don't do what I do, do what I say, right? He, he said, do what I, what I have done. I am the example. And, and so we've talked about in context, we went through, we've gone through the entire book of Matthew, we've gone through the entire book of Luke, we've gone through the entire book of John, and we've talked about in context, as Jesus is walking on the earth with these people, you have to always take yourself out of 2020, 
as an American, and you have to put yourself back in context and think about what would these sayings that Jesus said mean to them and in their culture and in their context. And, and so uh, I'm going to bring up a passage out of John chapter 15 that Jesus is speaking to. Remember once again that he's preaching a new day. He's preaching a new way, a whole totally new kingdom. He says, I have come to bring this kingdom to this earth. I am leading this movement. And he's telling Jews under the law, under the old covenant, he's telling them it's going to be unlike anything that you ever thought that you knew about God. It's going to be that the old covenant and the, the temple that you guys, all you have known for generations, for 1,500 years. Think about how many generations that is. Generation after generation after generation. I think a generation is represented by 40 years. So divide that into 1,500. How many generations is that? They've only ever been able to know God a certain way, and it's going to the temple, bringing a sacrifice, having the high priest sprinkle the blood, right, over uh, in the in the holy of holies, and there being some type of atonement for sin is how. And Jesus comes and he says, "It's not like that anymore. I am the Lamb. I am the sacrifice. Once and for all, everybody's in this thing." And remember, the Jews are struggling with this because they have become hyper, hyper, uh, almost racist because they have been so oppressed. By this kingdom and that kingdom and this kingdom and that kingdom. Remember Pharaoh and the Egyptians, how they were oppressed for thousands of years or, uh, uh, or actually uh, several hundred years. And then you get all the way now, they're being oppressed by the Romans. And, and it's like everybody hates us, so we have to be to our own. And, 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 and they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't marry outside of their, their people. They wouldn't even associate with Gentiles and Samaritans and all these things. And Jesus comes and he says, it's different. No more temple. It's all about love. It's all about, it's for everybody. And even after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, after they see that he is the king of kings, he is the Lord of lords, we saw him die. Three days later, we saw him come back to life, proving that everything that he has taught is true. This new kingdom is here. Even after that, Peter still has problems with it being for the Gentiles. He's still racist towards them. And God is patient with him. He's a loving father to him. And he, he gives him this great vision, and, and, and Peter overcomes all of that to become, you know, one of the, the, the greatest um, men that we look up to as a leader of what we have today. And so in the middle of, it, it was before the death, burial, and resurrection when Jesus is setting up his temple, or his, his kingdom, he, he says this, after, it's on the, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's speaking to all these people that are, they don't realize that, most of them are really into this message. And remember once again that they're in this message not because they think that he is going to do the things that he's saying that he's going to do the way that he's saying he's going to do it. They're thinking that he is going to be their new, their new emperor, political. We're going to take over, take the Romans. Yeah, this kingdom, we're going to be the head and not the tail. We're going to be above only and not beneath. That's us. We're all in for that. And then he starts preparing them because he knows that it's going to be hard when he dies. 
He knows it's going to be hard when they go through persecution for believing what he's saying. And he's telling them, and really, go read the whole chapter of John, chapter 15, and he's telling them about love. And he's telling them to love one another. And he's telling them about his love. And in the middle of it, he says this, I have told you these things so. Everybody say so. So there's a reason I have, told, I have spoken to you. The words that are coming out of my mouth, they're coming to you, and he wants them to embrace what he's been saying. And he says, so <clears throat> if you connect to these words, you will be filled with my joy. So he, he's letting them in on a little secret, on some secret sauce, on how to go through any and every circumstance and situation and still have joy and still look like kingdom, still look like love. And I can tell you right now that in America, we're struggling with this right now. As I look at the, the climate of our country, and if you get on any type of social media, it is so... It is so, you know, you're either on this side all the way or on this side of the, all the way, and there's no in-between, and nobody's standing up. Oh, I'm going to let you know what I need some type of balance. It's just like, you think this? Well, I'm going to let you know what I think about that. Well, if you think this, I'm going to tell you. And did you hear about this? And Pete, we say stuff like this. Well, that makes me so mad that they did that. So I'm going to tell you this. And what's happening is we are lost in emotion. We are being controlled by our emotions. We are not establishing and pouring out joy, unspeakable and full of glory. We are spewing out emotion. Whatever that emotion is, whatever that first, first the first <laughs> the first emotion that comes to you in that moment, how, how pure it is and how strong it is, you are led by it, and I am led by it, and we get lost in this place where you can see on the screen right now all of these emojis representing all of our different emotions that we have, loving and, and kind, but crying and mad and angry. We have all of these emotions, and today I want to talk about how to not be lost in emotions because your emotions will play tricks on you. Your mind will play tricks on you. Your emotions will lead you to places that you don't want to go, and these are dark dark places um, in your life, in your, in your uh, like business relationships, in your personal relationships. They'll lead you to a place that you don't want to go. And I want to bring uh, a, a, a little focus this morning on a, a passage of scripture I was reading one day in Jeremiah chapter 17. This is in the, the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And there was this prophet he was very wise. He was a very wise Hebrew prophet. And his name was Jeremiah. And he said this one day. He said, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Who can trust it? Let's just say that he, he, he had a bad day that day when he said that. All right? Probably had a fight with a loved one or 
or, or somebody was doing something to him that he didn't like, that he could see, he could realize that, man, they're being led by their emotions, and, and, and really you can't trust your emotions. Uh, we can all say a good amen to you can't trust your feelings, right? You can't believe everything that you think. I can't tell you uh, how many times as a young man growing up in the church and really just wanting to I was on this track of performance and, and thinking that God was not a good, good father, but he was a taskmaster, and I just wanted to please him. Everything that I did, I wanted it to please him. And, and so there was a, a season in my life where I just remember just feeling so guilty for every thought that I had, everything that came into my mind, until somebody told me one day that everything that you think is not your thought. And you need to start to get to a place where you become a detective and you can look at the fingerprints of whatever thought that was and you can take the ones that are from you, that are what a son, a son of a heavenly father would think, and then you can identify the ones that are just there to track, trip you up and, and trap you and get you into these dark, dark places. And so I want us to get to a place and I want to not just... Not just say here today, love one another as Jesus loved you. I want to give you some, something that you can actually apply to your life to be able to do that. Is that okay? Because we do. We do want to be loving. We do want to be kind. We want to be, have joy in any situation. So let me take you to another Hebrew proverb. It's in the book of Proverbs chapter 4. And I want to give you some instruction on how to get this control back where you're not lost in emotions, but you are in control of your emotions. Can I get an amen? So Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18, the writer says this. He says, the path of the righteous, and think about the imagery here, is like the morning sun. If you've ever seen the sun rise before, before the sun rises, what is the atmosphere out like? It's dark, right? There's no light, right? That you can see the stars or you can see the smog, whatever you see. But he says that this path of the righteous is like the morning sun. So think about your, your path of life your daily path that you're going. And he says the imagery is like the morning sun, and it's shining brighter until the full light of day. So it starts out dark, but as it illuminates, as it gets higher and higher, the sun does. How many know everything is illuminated? You can see everything, right? And, and he's, he's making a correlation here that on your path, and, and we're going to put it into context in just a second, that as you hear God's voice, you are going to, and you connect to that voice, it's going to illuminate more and more of the path of the decisions that you need to make, the places that you, does that make sense? So this is the imagery here, and he says, but this, that verse 19, but the way of the wicked, everybody say the way of the wicked. He didn't say the wicked people. He just says the way of the wicked is like a deep darkness, so it's like that before the sun comes up. 
before it's illuminated to you. And he says, they don't know what makes them stumble. So listen here, I'm telling you, this is applicable to everybody, whether uh, you think of your status with, with God as in or out or, or, or whatever. I'll tell you this morning that you're in plans for your life. It wants to help you in that so you don't stumble. But he said, how many know that we can make decisions based upon our emotions that lead us down a dark path? Right, it's the, it, it leads us down the way of the wicked. Where we're supposed to be going down the path of righteousness, it leads us down paths that we don't want to go. <clears throat> and so what he said in verse 18 is what's supposed to be happening is you're connecting to his voice and it's illuminating your path so that it grows brighter and brighter. So in verse 20, he then gives some sound advice like from a father to a son. And all of his parents have said this to our kids before. Pay attention. Right? He says, son, pay attention, which if you stop and just think about that for a second, why do you tell your kids that? Because they're focusing on something they shouldn't. They're doing something that they shouldn't be doing, right? Pay attention. Whatever you were just doing, stop doing that and focus on me. Focus on what I'm about to say. He says, pay attention. And he says, I want you to pay attention to what I say, the words that proceeds out of my mouth. And, and I also want you to turn an ear. I want you to hear my words. Don't let them out of your sight, but keep them in where? Your heart, for they are like life to those who find them. And it's also, also healthy for your body. So you see, God wants to speak to each and every one of us daily. But it's not this... God, that's some far off in this distant galaxy who is this great, distant, almighty God. But how many know that he's here? He made us in his image. And he is in, in here. And so, so these thoughts aren't some way, somewhere, someplace, some far off. He are, he's already in here wanting to speak to you. And he's saying if you connect to this, you will be able to have this, this, uh, this path illuminated to you and, and, and even connected to what Jesus was saying in the previous scripture in John chapter 15. What did he say? He said that if you'll hear, I said these things so that my joy may overflow inside of you. So it's the same thing. You're connecting to what God is saying. You're holding on to those things. And now you're going to be able to find health in your body. You're going to find joy. You're going to find life. Have you ever just been in a situation just recently and you're just so emotional and all of these things are happening and then you see one thing or hear one thing and you're just like, that's life. Like I needed that. That was such a good drink of water in this desert. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He's saying it's like that. And then he says this, the, verse, the very next thing that he says is what I want you to really focus on. Underline it if you have your, your Bibles today. In verse 23, he says, and above all else, guard your money because that is important, bro. Is that what he says? Above all things, guard your diet because you are going to get unhealthy and I don't like that, saith the Lord. Is that what it says? No. He says, above all else, guard your heart. Because everything that you do, he says, it flows from your heart. So, 
how do you go from this place of so much emotional confusion with, you know, you read the news, you watch the news, you, you're on all this social media, and this guy's saying this, and it just, I mean, it presses that one thing. Oh, he, oh, no, he didn't. Oh, no, he didn't say that. And all of these emotions are coming up on the inside of you. And you're out of control by your emotions. How do you get control of those things? Well, he says, above all else, guard your heart because everything flows from it. He could have said, above all else, guard your money. Do we need to do that? Absolutely. He could have said, above all else, above all else watch your nutrition. Watch what you eat. This is the temple. Take care of it. Do we need to do that? Absolutely. It's not an either or. Okay? It's a both end, but he's saying prioritize this, though, above, even above those things, because those things aren't going to work unless you get this thing first, is guard your heart. And I think in America today, guys, we get it backwards. We guard all things above our hearts. I mean, if you think about it, this next, you know, uh, that we just got out of summertime, and if, if, you, if you went to the pool or you went to the beach in summertime, what did you do before you got out in that hot, hot sun, right? When you were about to jump out there in your bathing suit and your, right, your bikini, uh, they called it, uh, when I went to Australia, they said, they, I wish I could do an Australian accent. I need to get Pastor Jared up here. He could kill it. But they asked me what type of bathing suit I had because we are going to go to the beach. And the guy asked me if I had a, a budgie smuggler. You got a budgie smuggler. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. He's like, you know, you know, it's like, uh, it's like little underwears. And I was like, oh, you mean like bikini, you know, we call them Speedos in America. I go, why would you call it a budgie smuggler? He was like, because over in, over in America, he goes, we have this little bird in Australia. It's kind of like a parakeet. Like you have it. I go, yeah, I know a parakeet. You know, you know those little birds? He says, when the, the guys are on the beach, they're wearing these little bikini briefs. And it looks like they're smuggling a budgie because they call these birds a budgie over there. And so I was like, no, I'm not wearing that. But when we go, when we go out and we get on the, the hot sun, what do we put on our skin? We put sunscreen. And we do that because we don't want to get cancer spots. You know, we don't want to. We, I can tell you right now, my dad, his entire life growing up, he always worked outside. And he would even just take his shirt off to work outside and just get that tan, tan. And now he's getting, he tells me all the time, son, put, put sunscreen on every time you go out because he's constantly having to go get these cancer spots cut off, this skin cancer. We know how to protect our skin, but do we protect our hearts? Right? Like, we know we, we, we all have insurance, home insurance. We all have car insurance. We know that. We know we need to protect those things, right, that we own. But do we protect our hearts? And he says right here, above all those things, you need to be protecting your heart. Have those things. Do those things. But first, protect your heart because everything flows out of it. We, instead, though, we guard all else instead of bubbing uh, above all else, guarding our hearts. And so when we, we, we get Proverbs 4.23 down, but, but we just have it backwards. If we would start guarding our hearts 
And guys, we would start guarding our minds and our, our attitudes and our thoughts like we guard some of the other stuff that we have. We would start to get our lives back into control, and we would get out of these dark situations that we've gotten into. I'm not saying you're the son of Satan or anything like that. I'm not saying that, you know, you're this evil person that God's turned his back on. You know we don't believe that here. I'm just saying you can make some decisions as a son or daughter of God that lead you to some dark places. And he said, I want to get you out of those places. That's why verse 20, he says, my son, pay attention. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Stop focusing on everything they're saying on social media. Hear those things. But you're going to have to get your focus off of those things so you can guard your heart. So I'll say something very interesting about this subject. If you are going, in order to guard something, write this down if you're taking notes, you have to take ownership of it. In order to guard something, you have to take ownership of it, right? So that's why you put sunscreen on because you have taken ownership of your body and you want a healthy body, you don't want skin cancer. That's why you have car insurance, because you've taken ownership of that car. You love that car. It costs you a lot of hard-earned money to buy that car, and so you own it. You take responsibility for it, correct? Well, so what some of us need to do is start to change some of the words that we are saying because we're constantly using phrases that transfer the title deed of how we feel, transfer the title deed of our emotions onto other people. It's not my fault how I feel because he made me so mad, Pastor. This is the verbiage we use, right? Pastor, you don't just don't understand my wife. She makes me so mad. Well, then you don't own your emotions, right? And, and, and you can't do anything to get out of it because they're the one in control. You're just giving them what they deserve. You're just, you're just retaliating. You just went to that that emotion that they suggested to you through that comment that they made on social media, ho, 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 we went right for that emotion. And I'm giving it to you, baby, because you, you deserve this. This is what you get because you made me so mad. Why don't we just say this? You know what? I just let what they posted or what they said dominate my day. I'm going to own my emotions. I am angry right now. I am. Don't, don't be one of these kooky Christians that is just like, oh, I'm just, all the time, it's just glory and Jesus and clouds of wonderfulness. No, we get angry. We are emotional beings. We get sad when somebody does, I, I mean, I talked to a guy just the other day, and he was telling me of something so despicable that was done to a child, and it made me so sad. Because I want to be an advocate for that child. And I want to give that person that did that to that child, I want to bring wrath on them for doing that. And control them and manipulate them that they would never do that to that defenseless child again. So it made me sad. It did. It made me, it, it made me mad. It did. But, but I'm going to take ownership of my emotions. And I'm going to say, yes, I am angry. Yes, I am in pain. What they did was wrong, but I will not allow what they did to dictate what I will do. So let's think about these things. Let's think about, let's start to change, you know, what, what we say. You know, a lot of times I hear people say, well, you know, I was in a good mood till they put me in a bad mood. Can I tell you that you are, are grown up? 
you are not just some, you know, goldfish in a bowl that somebody can scoop you up and put you into the bad mood bowl without your permission, without you relinquishing control. Nobody puts you anywhere. It's like we're starting to go back to acting like children again. I remember years ago when uh, Caitlin, <coughs> who is um, about to be 19, Kenzie, who is 16, they were little bitty girls playing, and they shared a room at the time, and I opened up the door to check on them, and, and I noticed that Kenzie had just taken away a toy from Caitlin, and Caitlin just read back and just smacked the fire out of her face like that. And Kenzie starts crying, and I said, KK, and I was about to get on to her, and the first thing that she said to me is, it's not my fault, she made me mad. And this is how it looks for most Americans on social media right now. It's not my fault what I'm about to just puke all over you. You made me mad. So you're going to get it. And I, I had to set Caitlin down and say, listen, it, you can't live like this. You can't just go around smacking people. Right? You need to think about it. Yes, that was not unfair what she did to you. But we can, we can bring, try to bring some fairness into this, and I, I, I'll handle it, and I'll help you out. But even that, life is not fair, and people are going to say dumb things. And you can't go around on social media just smacking people in the face all the time thinking, oh, well, this is normal. It's not normal. It's not how we're supposed to be living as Christians who are bringing a kingdom of grace and love to this world. Amen? So... When we go on so long using these phrases and not taking ownership for our emotions, what we're doing is, is we're locking ourselves in a prison of emotions and we're giving the key to our joy to the person that made us mad, the person that we see as an enemy. And that doesn't make any sense to me at all, right? Who you see as the enemy at that moment you're handing them the key to your joy. And guess what? You're going to be miserable all week. Why? Because they said that, and I can't believe that they call themselves a Christian, and they posted that, or you know what? They represent this, and I can't. And, and you're saying, I'm going to stand in this prison of anger until they change, they retract, they delete all those things, and apologize. And guess what? They're not going to do it. Because you're doing the same thing. You're not going to do it either. And so you're in this prison where you've given your joy to somebody else. For too long, we've wanted somebody else to be responsible for our state of mind. But I came to tell you today, your joy is your job. Taking notes, write that down. Your joy is your job. Jesus said what? If you remain in me, that's your decision. If you make a decision to hear what he's saying... And to grab onto that and live by that, then guess what? The result is going to be my joy is going to overflow in you. But whose, whose choice is that? It's our choice. Your joy is your job. Turn to your neighbor and say, your joy is your job. What I'm saying today is you got to guard your heart. You got to take responsibility for your heart, for your feelings. It's your heart. It's your responsibility. Scripture doesn't say... Call your mama to guard your heart. Phone a friend to guard your heart. Marry somebody that will guard your heart for you. 
No, we have to get to a place where taking responsibility for our emotions. It's so important that we do this in our relationships and especially in our marriages. I can tell you that you can't let your spouse's bad attitude or the craziness that they just came from, you don't know what just happened at their job today. You don't know all of the craziness they just had to get through before they got to you. And they are coming into your life with all of this stuff that day. And it's difficult for them. And it's hard for them. And they're about to bring craziness into that. Your excuse that your, now, emotions get crazy. Oh, we're going to go to crazy town? Oh, I'm going right there with you, baby. Let's just do it. We're going to do this. And the kids are watching all of this, and they're taking notes going, okay, this is how we live. This is what we do. Hey, don't do what I do. Do what I say. And they're going, you're an idiot. This doesn't make any sense in any type of situation. Listen, your emotions are your responsibility. Your joy is your job. And I have, have made it a part of my life. Um, goals to do this. When life brings chaos, I can remain calm. I can keep my calm. I'm not going to use it as an excuse to go to crazy town. I can remain calm. And when I do this, I have found that it shortens the length of the craziness. But when I add to it, guess what happens? It, it Everything falls off the rails, right? I've always equated... Um, marriage to like being in a canoe with somebody and if somebody starts to tip to one side if you're in a canoe what do you have to do you have to tip to the other side so if they're tipping to crazy town you have to tip over to calm and understanding and love and grace if you tip to crazy town with them what's going to happen you're both going to sink divorce town right i can't deal with you town I can't believe that I ever said I loved you. You're, we, and then we start to say these things that are so hateful that we don't even mean, but we're trying to manipulate them with our words to make them see, if I could just make you see how mad you make me and how I just really don't like how you're being so, so stubborn right now when in fact I'm being what, exactly what I don't want, but I'm doing it and I'm going to stand on this. And we, we, we die on this, this hill every day right? Of standing up when we're really not standing up for anything. I, I, I tell you, people, can, you can bring craziness in your home. I, I, you know, Kagan and I, we are outnumbered at our house. Y'all know this. I have a wife. I have three daughters. Even our dog is a girl. And I spend half of my life just trying to find out why people are crying. Why is there so much crying? Why are you, why? you know, I come home and, and I walk in and the first thing is like, oh, you know, I tried to go up there and I wanted to play with them, but they locked the door on me. And, you know, I was just getting so emotional. And, it just, and I'm like, Lisa, calm down. I'm going to scare the kids. <laughs> when there's craziness in the house and all of a sudden, I can't tell you how many times that I saw in my family, and I'm, I'm not just talking about, my dad was really good at not being this way, but other people in my family, when it went to craziness, they tried to trump the craziness, tried to make the most and to, to you know, putting their hand through a, you remember those old uh, box TVs? 
putting their hand through that thing. Break, you know how thick that glass is? Trying to make a statement. I will be heard. I am the most angry. And this is where we're going. And guess what? It leads to destruction. It leads to that, that dark place. You see, if I can figure out how to own my emotions and stay calm when somebody else is upset, I'm shortening the length of time of the chaos. I'm bringing balance to the situation. And you don't know what that person was going through earlier that day. So try to think. Try to have perspective. I mean, I can tell you, I have a, I have a buddy, and I love to tell this story. He, he has a little girl who's about five years old when this story happened. And she came in. He was on the recliner watching TV. And she came in, and she's like, uh, he knows she had like these two crackers, and and she said, "Dad, I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for you," and he was like, "Oh, honey, that that's awesome!" And so he just took it and he ate it, and he was like, "Oh, that's so delicious!" And she was all, you know, just, "Oh, thanks, Dad," and and she was like, "You want to know how I made it?" And he said, "Maybe." Uh, he didn't even think about that, and she said, "Well." I went in, in the kitchen, and I got a cracker, and I found some peanuts, and I chewed this peanuts, and I spit it. I spit it on this cracker, and then I went and found some raisins, and I chewed those up, and I spit it on this cracker, and I made you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You want me to make you another one? And he was like, oh, no, no, that was, you don't want to have too much of a good thing. I am, I am full, totally full. Then he stopped for a second, and he goes, but I bet your mom would like one. Well, his wife was walking by when she said that, and she went off. You know, I have such a, uh, I just, you know, uh, my stomach is so sensitive. I can't believe you'd say, you're going to let her spit on a cracker and then get feed it. And he said, you know what? I am not, he told me, I'm not going to let her talk to me in my house in front of my kid. You're not going to disrespect. And I go, no, you didn't. He goes, I tore into her, Kevin. I started telling her, you, well, listen, every day I come home, you're spending way too much money on Amazon, and I'm out there working hard. And I go, no, you didn't. He's like, yeah, I didn't. And what happened was, I said, what, what ended up happening? He's like, well, I slept on the couch that night. I was like, well, how'd that work out for you, dude? You tipped over into chaos. You can't do that, man. You have to be a person that takes responsibility, that you take ownership. I mean, I'll tell you this right now. I think of our, our, our homes. Like, most of you, if you're a homeowner, you have a backyard with a fence around it. Why did you put a fence around that home? Because you own that property and you're responsible for it, right? Some of you even have a security system on your house. Did you put a security system on your next-door neighbor's house? No. You put one on your house. Why? Because you take ownership of it. And when you take ownership of it, then what starts to happen? You start to now be responsible for that. So it's time for us to be responsible for our, 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 our emotions. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7, I was reading this one day, and, and I thought, I want to be this guy, God. Jeremiah says, blessed is the one whose trust is in the Lord whose confidence is in him. And I've just always wanted to have people look at my life and say, that guy's blessed. So I'm like, okay, I'm on with this guy. Okay, he's blessed. Why? Because he's trusting the Lord, and he has confidence in the Lord. But then he says this, he will be like a tree. Everybody say tree. A tree that's planted by the water. 
that sends out its root by the stream. Listen to this. <coughs> this is what a blessed person looks like. They do not fear. Their leaves are always green, so you're healthy. It says, has no worry. But not in a time of, of greatness. It says, in the year of the drought, you have no worry. So you have no fear. You're healthy. You're, you're, you're not having any worries, even in the middle of a place where you really should have worries. And it says, and you never fail to be fruitful. I said, God, I want to be that guy. I want to be like that. And so what I started to do is do some research on some different plants. And what I found was two, and they both start with O. And the first one is an orchid. Everybody say orchid. Now, what I found out about the orchid is it's a very complicated plant. If you go look on the Internet and do your research, this is what I did. You'll see what it takes to take care of an orchid. First thing that they say is this. When you get an orchid, don't place your orchid where it will experience cold drafts or exposure to direct sunlight. Very dry air, direct heat, and chills are the enemy of this orchid. Provided that your orchid is happy, I was like, you lost me right there. Provided that this plant is happy, because I got to have everything, it's so complicated. I'm like, okay, provided that your orchid is happy, expect its fruit, the bloom, to only last one week. I was like, man, listen, I'll show you a picture of an orchid. Look at this. This is, show the one right before that. Look how beautiful this is. When it does bloom, the orchid is beautiful. Okay, but it's so complicated. Show the next picture. I found an illustration of how they say to water your orchid. You're supposed, you can't even, you can't even pour water into the soil. You have to get a spritzer. You have to get a, 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 a little uh, spray bottle so that you can wet the leaves. And it says if you wet the leaves too much, you need to go get a tissue or a cotton swab and go and gently dab. This That's only going to have a bloom for a week. I'm like, I don't even take care of my kids this well. I can't have an orchid, man. It says this. It says, this is my favorite. In the summertime, open up the windows so wherever you have this, it'll have natural airflow to circulate. In the winter or on the summer days where there's no breeze blowing through, listen to what it says. Use an oscillating fan to gently stir the air. Move around occasionally so that one spot is not being over blown. And I said, man, this is so complicated. What a complicated plant. Nobody wants to be around <laughs> something like this, have a plant, they have to do that. And you know what God said to me in my heart? Kevin, you're an orchid. You are, you've become so emotional. You've become so complicated to be around. An orchid is a complicated plant, and I don't want to be an orchid. I don't want my wife to have to do all these special, complicated things, walk on eggshells every day just to be around me. Oh, we don't want to make Kevin mad today. He's so emotional. You know, I don't want my kids to come home and have to walk on eggshells because they're not sure what mood I'm in because of if something went good at work, he's happy. If something went bad at work, he's really mad. You know, I don't want to be a needy friend. I don't want to, when I call you on your phone, and you see my name come up, you go, oh, no, Pastor Kevin's calling. 
He's so needy. He's always just looking for compliments. He's always just, so the sky's falling. You know, I ask him how he's doing, and he tells me, oh, it's a horrible. I mean, I saw this spot, you know, I think I got this spot on my arm, and it might be, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Right? When you, when you see my name come up on your caller ID, I want you to go, man, I can't wait to talk to this guy because he's such an encourager. He's constantly just giving life. He's constantly a person that is steady and fruitful. I mean, listen, I don't want to be an orchid. You see, an orchid is a person that is a complicated person. They don't guard their heart, so they're unpredictable. They're inconsistent. Being in his or her life means that you have to have special knowledge of all their difficult ways. You know, emotionally, people have to carry around an oscillating fan and a little spritzer, and if they give you too much compliments, they got to go dab it off and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, it's crazy. Being an orchid means I'm difficult to understand. I'm difficult to anticipate. You're going to have to walk on eggshells when you're around me because you don't know what's going to hurt my feelings. You don't know if something's going to upset me. You don't know what's going to put me in a bad mood. And at times we've all been orchids. And in fact, you may be in an orchid season right now. Election time. Holy crap. You're freaking out. Oh my gosh, Dave. Oh, I've got some ammo. Boy, I stayed up all night. I did not sleep because I found this detail and that thing. And boy, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And your wife is praying, please don't, please don't post that today. Please don't get him mad. Please don't. She, she's like, I, I, made, I made your favorite breakfast. I, got a, I have my own job, but I, got, I made your special breakfast. She's spritzing you. She's got her oscillating fan just trying, hoping, hoping that you're not a jerk today. And I don't want to be that guy. Listen, communication is tough for orchids. And, 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 and I can tell you that it was like that when Lisa and I, we first got married over 20 years ago. You know, I remember us being both orchids. You know, one day I was sitting down. Uh, I'd come home from work, was tired, watching TV, and, and Lisa sits down to watch TV before she did her chore that I had given to her to cook for me every night. And so uh, she, how many know guys, we can help out with that. Hello, operator. Okay, no, no amens on that one. Good job. <laughs> guys, we can wash dishes. We can clean the house. We know how to run a vacuum. But I, I'm, I do the lawn. The God does the lawn. Okay, wake up. It's 2020. Let's go. Stop being an orchid. So <clears throat> I remember Lisa was watching TV with me, and she went, and she, uh, she was gone for a couple of minutes, and she comes back, and she's kind of stomping in a little bit, and she sits down beside me, and she goes, I'm, I keep watching TV, and she's like, well, there's not any toilet paper in the bathroom, and I'm like, okay, I'll just keep watching TV, and uh, she goes, yep. I'm telling you right now, there's not a single piece of toilet paper in the entire house. And have you ever gotten to a place where you can hear somebody getting mad at you? They start to sigh, the big sigh. And I'm like, oh, no, I did, I've done something wrong. And I don't know what I've done wrong, right? But a lot of you that, see, that was like first-year marriage. I've been married over 20 years. I know now what I did wrong. All you women 
Y'all know in the story what I did wrong. What was she saying when she sat down and said, there's not any toilet paper in the bathroom? What was she saying? Go to the store and get some toilet paper, right? But I didn't know that. Guys, why didn't I go do that? Because she didn't ask me to. I'm not a mind reader, right? Tell me. If you want me to go get toilet paper, tell me that. Just don't say, well, there's not a single sheet of toilet paper in the whole entire house. I mean, if it was Jared that was over at my house that day, and he came and he sat down from just being in the bathroom and said, hey, Kelts, there's no toilet paper in the bathroom. I'd be like, this is my friend. Thank you for telling me that, that giving me that information. He's just telling me if I have to go, I need to bring, you know, a supplement. I need to bring something because we ain't got no toilet, a sock or something, right? He's just giving me good information being a good friend. That's how guys talk, right? If he sat down and said, hey, Kelts, can you go get some toilet paper? I would go do that. But here we get into a situation where she is now angry at me. She's mad at me for doing something, for not doing something that she didn't even ask me to do. That's craziness. And now I'm mad at her for being mad at me. And we're sitting there, a bunch of orchids, because we don't know how to communicate. Another orchid friend that I like to talk about, a couple years ago, this guy came to me, (coughs) and he said, I always think this is hilarious. He's like, Kevin, he's like, it's all going downhill since I turned 40. And I'm like, what? What, You know, what's up? He's that guy that's always emotional. He's an orchid. He's the sky's always falling. I go, what's up? He's like, man, don't tell anybody, but I found a gray hair on my big toe. And I'm like, what's the big deal about that? I'm like, what? He goes, listen. That's the first signs that it's all going downhill. Things are shutting down. He's like, when I first got gray in my hair, he's like, that, I, I was cool with that because it's like, I look distinguished. People maybe give me more respect. He goes, but I, <laughs> gray hair on my big toe? He said, my, my body is having to make decisions to shut things down. They're like, we can't make toe hair color and keep this guy's eyesight going. So we got to check. We got to choose. Is it eyesight color or eyesight or big toe color? And they're like, shut down the toe color, whatever that is. And we got to keep this guy just seeing for a couple more years. And I'm going, dude, you're such an orchid. Who thinks like that? Right? That's the orchid person. And I don't want to be an orchid. This is what I want to be. I want to be an oak tree. And look at this picture of this oak tree. This tree, have, have, has anybody, look how big that tree, look how wide that tree is. Look at how just majestic that tree is. It's a picture of strength and stability. I want to be a picture of strength and stability to my wife and my kids. Right? I don't want to be an orchid. I want to be an oak tree. I don't know if you've ever had an oak tree on your property, but did you ever have to water it? Nope. After a rainstorm, did you have to go out there with a tissue or some Kleenex and dab the leaves off? Nope. At any point, did you ever have to take an oscillating fan out and fan your oak tree? No. No, guys, I'm telling you, I want to be an oak tree because an oak tree is a person that you can lean on. It's a person that you can find comfort in. It's a, pers- it's a person that you can find a source of of strength. It can be a source of shade for the people that are in your life. Listen, orchids are delicate and they are needy. 
And I know that they're beautiful, but they need so much to keep them in your life. I don't want to be that type of person. I want to be an oak tree. Look, look at your neighbor and say, I want to be an oak tree. Well, to be an oak tree, I've been giving you the secret sauce of how to do that, how to be somebody that's full of love and full of joy. Is It's just very simple. Guard your heart. Take ownership for your emotions. Take ownership for your feelings. I love that King David was one of the best at this. If you can uh, write this down and go look at it later, but in Psalms chapter 42, verse 11, I'll put it up on the screen for you. He said this one day. He said, why, my soul, are you so downcast? So he's saying, he's like, yeah, I am depressed. That's where I'm at right now. I'm not feeling it. I don't want to go to work today. I don't feel like smiling. My soul is down. But then he questions it. He says, why, though? Why are you? Why are you so disturbed within me? Why does he question it? Because he knows that he can control it. He's taking ownership of it. And the key phrase here when he says why I'm so disturbed within me is the words within me. Because listen to me, it's not about what's happening around you. You can't control what people are posting on social media ever. You'll never be able to control that. You'll never be able to control this, the things that are outside of you. But it is what is happening, he says, within me. Why is it disturbed within me that's causing him to feel down? David is owning it. He's owning his state of mind. He's owning his attitude. And I love what he does next because he swing, He takes ownership and he swings from being depressed and he swings it to the other, other way. He starts in a bad place, but how many know it doesn't matter how your day started. It don't have to end that way right? It don't matter how your life started. It don't have to end that way. He says, I'm down. I'm disturbed. I'm distressed. I'm in despair, but I'm going (laughs) to give a command to my soul because I'm in control. I've taken ownership. He says, but put your hope in God for I will. He said, not what I feel because I feel lousy. I feel depressed. He says, for I will yet praise God. I will today praise my Savior. And that's how you do it. And I want you to pay attention. Last part of the secret sauce. All he did was change his concentration. He just changed his focus. He was having real despair. He was having real um, feelings of depression. He was. But he changed his concentration. Look at He does it again in Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So he's speaking to his soul. I take ownership. You're my heart. I own my heart. I'm going to take ownership and tell you what to do. And he says, and all that is within me. Again, because I can't control what's going on around me, but I am in control of what is in me. And all that is within me, he says, will bless the Lord. Come on, somebody. And I want you to see that David takes control of his emotions. He takes um, a control of his, of his attitude, and he makes a command to his soul. He says this, bless the Lord all my soul. And forget, this is where he changes his, his focus. Forget not his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. He's reminding his soul. He's changing his focus. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your mouth is renewed like the eagles. You see, if your attitude is a byproduct of your circumstances, you will always be out of control. Because you can't control what's going on around you, right? But if your attitude is not a result of your circumstances, it is a result of the character of God. 
of the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. How many know you are not going to be an orchid anymore? You're going to be an oak tree, solid as an oak, strong as an oak. But here is the thing. It is your decision. You, I'm teaching you today how to be a swinger, how to swing your emotions. Come on, somebody. How to go from a bad mood to a good mood because you did it. You decided. You spoke not to the things that were going on around you, but to the things that were going on inside of you. How do you guard your heart? You own your emotions and you change your concentration. Change your concentration. That's why back in Proverbs 4.20, he says, son, pay attention. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Have some perspective. Hear what I say. Turn your ear to the words that I say. The last thing that I will say is this. When you are in the storms of life, because we will have storms, we will have things that are going on around us, right, that are even contradictory to the will and the word of God. There will be things that will come in and they will hurt you. And there will be people that will hurt you. And you can make a decision to be stuck in that. To be stuck in that, 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 that anger, that unforgiveness. How's that working out for you? Do you, do you like that life? No. You, you can't control those things of what they did to you or what they're saying about you. You can't control that. But when the storms of life come, just like Peter found, if you remember, Peter, on the stormy sea of Galilee one night, he was getting out of the boat, and he's walking on water. He's gone from a boat that's about to drown him to walking towards a Savior that can sustain him. And as he's walking on the water and transcending the elements, he remembers he changes his focus. I'm not supposed to be able to walk on water. He remembers. The storm had been raging when he was in the boat. His circumstances around him never changed. It was raging on him in the boat. It was raging on him when he's walking on the water. All that happens, guys, his circumstances didn't change, but when Peter broke his concentration, he lost control of his emotions. They get the best of him. You see, the way that your heart feels is a result of your mind's concentration. And what we need to do is we need to break some of the concentration that we have on some things, some of the focus that we have on things, and then start to focus on what God has given us and what God is doing through us and what God has done through us. When the, 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 the winds and the waves start to break over our lives, we don't concentrate on those things because we can't control them. We concentrate on what we can control. And in one minute, minute, Peter is concentrating on the creator. Scripture says his eyes were fixed. They were focused on Jesus. And he was able to do something impossible. Walk on the water. That's my heart for you this morning. Is that in all the chaos that we're going through, and I tell you, there is nothing new under the sun. We've, we've, had, we've had all types of the same political hate, racism. We, guys, we have got to be the light. We've got to be the balance. We've got to, I, I mean, we can't spew, continue to spew hate and be a part of the problem. We've got to be a part of the solution. And that's, what did Jesus say? Love one another as I have loved you. How do you do that? Take control take ownership of your emotions, 
and then fix your focus, change your focus. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Father, thank you so much this morning that you didn't ever leave us as orphans, but you are a good, good father. You've always been our father. And you don't just tell us to do something. You don't ever say, don't do what I do, do what I say. You are the great example. You came to this earth. You, you laid down all rights. And, and when we get into those situations that are tough this week, where our heartstrings are being pulled and that our buttons are being pushed and anger is coming up like a flood, I pray that we would change our verbiage. We would stop using the words that transfer the title deed of our emotions to somebody else. But we say, yes, I feel angry. Yes, I feel despair. Yes, I feel depression. Yes, this makes me feel sad. But I own this. And if I own it, I can, I can protect it. I can control it. I can tell it what to do. And I can fix my focus. I can change my focus from those things to the answer, to the solution, to being part of the solution, to in this moment bringing love, understanding, grace, kindness, And as we connect to your voice in those moments, I thank you that one of your promises is that your joy will overflow up out of our lives and into somebody else's life to where they were in despair too. The reason that they said what they said was because they were hurt. The reason they said and they feel, and in that moment, our joy would overflow into their lives. It would cause us to be a loving family. It would cause us to lay down our rights like you laid down your rights. And we thank you for that. Because we know that that's your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen.